This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today we have David Wright. David is a senior real estate manager at Valvoline, and David has been in the industry for 30 plus years. He spent time at Lowe's Home Centers, McDonald's, Bilo, and now he's at Valvoline. He brings a wealth of knowledge and a lot of experience, and I'm happy to have him here. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thank you. So, David, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you're up to these days? Thanks, Chris. Yes, uh, I have been in the business for 30 years. I uh, grew up in South Alabama, Mobile, Alabama's home. I graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, which at the time, there wasn't a lot of uh, schools that offered a real estate degree program, but uh, Southern was one of the schools that did and um, was able to get a formal education in real estate. Um, Came back to Mobile, and then uh, my first real job in site selection was Lowe's Home Centers, and um, kind of had been in the Carolinas, actually uh, the balance of the time, 25 years. Uh, Really enjoyed real estate, I think, I don't know, um, maybe not the only person, but uh, one of the few people when I, well, used to go to ICSCs, and um, kind of someone that has stuck in the site selection retail business for my entire career. And I think that's attributable to really enjoying what I do. I've always enjoyed traveling and uh, always enjoyed going to new towns and new places and trying to figure out, you know, where the best place is to build a a new facility. So very, very blessed. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, So, you know, there's been an interesting year and, and you're still out there looking for new sites to build uh, Valvoline location. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what is it that you're out looking for these days? What are you doing these days? That's a typical Valvoline. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of what the real estate folks uh, at Valvoline do, we spend a lot of time educating landlords and you know cities and counties You know, our business has really evolved over the years. Yes, we do change oil, uh, but, you know, we build a very nice professional looking building, two bay, three bay. And, um, you know, I I tell people we are looking for the same type real estate that the banks, McDonald's, Chipotle, uh, those type users, the the, uh, destination C stores. Uh, We're looking for A plus real estate. Um, Our our typical average, uh, midline customer, um, prototypical customer is a young female mom with young kids. So we really like being adjacent to the neighborhood grocery store, dominant neighborhood uh, grocery and, and those uh, repeat trips in and out. And a lot of times the, the uh, moms are the person that has the time to get the oil changed during the day. So uh, we really like that. We, our company finally um, has um, conveyed to Wall Street that we're going to do 50 new ground up deals per year over the next three or four years. Uh, we we think that's that's probably a bottom number, conservative number. We think it's going to probably go to 80 uh, in, in the next few years. So very aggressive growth. Um, and, you know, we're very excited and um, 
we had people all across the country. We have somebody out on the West Coast, somebody in Texas, somebody in the Midwest, somebody uh, for the Deep South, and I kind of handle the Mid-Atlantic. So uh, we're very, very aggressive. We're looking for about an acre. Um, we can probably get by on a little less than that. Um, you know, it depends on the sales forecast. We can be competitive on rents. Uh, we also will purchase, you know, it's hard to find somebody that will sell these days, but um, we're, we're looking for any real estate and, and very, you know, active dominant uh, retail nodes and, and uh, hubs. And one of the things I find interesting is you guys have your own oil, Valvoline oil, and that's how you started, right? Was with the Valvoline oil and then you guys moved into the, the oil change centers. Is that right? Exactly. The, the, um, we found out uh, 40 years ago that the Valvoline had established a very strong brand with automotive uh, folks that started with do-it-yourselfers. And um, then we realized as, you know, the, the two um, double income working couples, you know, proliferated, uh, people had less time and, you know, propensity to, to work on their own cars. And so, um, Valvoline has been very aggressive with acquisitions, uh, small chains, mom and pops, and that kind of built the base of the chain. And then um, actually going on um, three years ago, uh, Valvoline, uh, Valvoline Inc. was spun off from Ashland Oil, which is a large international uh, chemical company. And um, it, it allowed us to finally kind of, uh, and we're New York Stock Exchange publicly traded today, and it kind of gave us the freedom, Valvoline, to you know grow the VIOC. We were kind of a, a cash cow contributor to the chemical company, and um, you know we did some maintenance deals over the years that the chemical company owned us. But you know after we were spun off and went public, uh, it really gave us the capital, and and you know the uh, we had the entire lots of the country in front of us to go build out. And, and, you know, that's what we're doing today is building the network out. And, and the line of lines of business that Valvoline is in, they're in these, these oil change centers. And, and what do you call them? You mentioned the word VIOC. VIOC, Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the correct name. We kind of abbreviate it and say VIOC. Uh, there's three components to Valvoline. It's, it's the VIOC, Valvoline Instant Oil Change. And we're up, uh, it's both franchised and corporate. Uh, I work with the corporate facilities, um, and we're up around 1,200 stores, round numbers, both franchise and corporate. Uh, we have, um, we call it the, the uh, North American business, and that's the business that sells to the Walmarts, Targets, AutoZones, um, and to the do-it-yourself shops, so the, 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 the mechanic uh, repair um, businesses. And then we have an international business that we're trying to grow. We've actually um, have a person in China and we're, we're uh, over in China and we, we have sold oil all over the world for probably the bulk of the existence of Valvoline, 40 something years. I'm fascinated when someone has a line of business and then they leverage that into a new line of business. And while it was long ago, I think the Valvoline story is interesting because they started in the oil business and distributing oil to all these other businesses and then, you know, went into these VIOCs. And I think that's really fascinating. One that comes to mind to me that, you know, has doesn't have the scale as, as you do, but there's a big brand Tide and they started opening up dry cleaners, 
right? Untie dry cleaners and doing that. And I, I, I find the concept interesting. And I, I think actually you're going to see more brands to connect with consumers start to do this. I think, um, especially if, if you were in a, a brand in a store and you were quote unquote wholesale business and you sold your, your goods to somebody and maybe now they have less stores and maybe one of the best ways for you to go is to get into retail and open up your own brand identity and sell direct to consumer. And we now have some of these direct to consumer brands. And I think, you know, Valvoline might've been ahead of the curve in direct to consumer the 40 years early. You hear this word DTC all the time now and Valvoline did this 40 years ago. Correct. And, you know, and, and stay tuned. There's a lot of exciting things happening now that we're a, you know, pub, independent publicly traded company, you know, the, the leadership of our company, I think, not think is in the process of slowly pivoting our business more to the VOC where that becomes the dominant business that the, 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 the front facing business that customers and investors see. And you know we'll the, the you know the 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 North American business is extremely profitable. It's just not a growth business. You know, selling to the mom and pops and to the um, you know the 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 uh, auto zones or those are not a pro, you know a, a very fast growing business. So we are slowly pivoting to where the face of Valvoline will be VIOC, and and that's in the process. We're we're slowly you know uh, we're we're pitching. Um, our, our business now, Valvoline, is a more of a service-based business, you know, the service of, of changing, you know, someone's oil. So um, that's in the process and hopefully it'll pay dividends over the, the next few years. We, we have a Valvoline not too far from us that, well, we, we go to and they go do a good job. They send you, they get you the contact information, they get all your coupons and it's contactless payment and they... Actually, one of the things that are interesting, no matter what vehicle you have, they put in your year, your miles, and it tells you what you should have had done to the vehicle by then. And um, which is, you know, interesting. And they have that pulled up in seconds and they can, you know, they can offer a, a lot of those services to you. And uh, it's pretty quick. And uh, uh, I think it's a really cool concept, uh, especially I think with all the DTC words that you hear in retail real estate, it's, it's one that I think is like 40 years ahead of the time they were doing DTC and might not call themselves that, but before anyone was. So um, pretty cool um, for a, a longstanding brand that's been around for a long time, even way before that 40 years. So uh, really cool. Uh, just one real estate question. I don't, I don't know if you know, but you mentioned, and I don't know if there's a range on, on a corporate Valvoline. What do you know what you're seeing cap rates at today for those that are selling? Uh, corporates are in the five range, five, four, five, seven. Um, that's the best we've seen so far come across. Got it. Cool. Well, there's really interesting insights on Valvoline and what's going on there. Um, well, Dave, you actually have two stories today. The first one's about McDonald's. Why don't you tell us about that one? And the second one's uh, Valvoline. Where are we going? What what location? Where are we going? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, we're, we're going way back. And it's a little small town in southwest Virginia, St. Paul, Virginia. Okay. I love to tell this story. And it's, 
it, it's not intended to be an indictment of all the planning and zoning people or city folks, but you know, we showed up in St. Paul, small little town and uh, wanted to build, this was when I was with the McDonald's. And um, so we, we were having a hard time finding a site and one of the best corners at, at the uh, main lighted intersection was the city's ballpark, uh, softball park. And so uh, the conversation led to, well, what about the ballpark? And um, anyway, we the city worked with us hand in hand to uh, deliver the ballpark. We actually, in, in McDonald's, contributed some money to relocate the ballpark. It was a, a big enough track. And um, we were there, there's a, a, a McDonald's sitting there today. But, you know, you just so rarely ever see, you know, cities working to come, you know, really trying to help out. And particularly when it involved, a, you know, a, a city softball park to help relocate it. And, you know, they were interested in jobs and income and taxes and, uh, you know, that was refreshing. You just so rarely see that today. Um, you know, particularly in the QSR and some of the smaller box players, you just, you know, a lot, a lot of folks don't really like those users and it was nice, a nice, uh, it was nice to see that um, working together. I think it's interesting because in corporate uh, real estate, there's, you know, most groups have research teams and they can plot out which corners they want to be on in everywhere in the country. And Sometimes the, the corner is the firehouse and sometimes it's this and sometimes it's 17 parcels. Uh, and, you know, what I think is interesting is the the real estate team has to make a decision to say, am I going to spend the time to chase this down and pay the price? Is it worth it in the long run? Do I not do this market or do I work with my research guys and say, you know what, this corner is just not practical in the next foreseeable future and it should be this corner over here. And I think that's interesting in it from a development perspective and thinking it through. And when it's, when it's a municipal one, it is a, it is definitely interesting. Um, and it depends on the motives of that municipality in, in, in at that time, right. You know, you mentioned QSR and there's a lot of places that have some drive through moratoriums and things like that. Um, but I think in a post pandemic world, you're going to start to see, uh, you're going to start to see some flexibility in that type of thing. I, I guess, you know, going back to that story though, for a second, you go and you say, all right, this is the corner. It's a ballpark. The little leaguers of the world are not going to be happy with me. Um, I might be able to provide burgers, but I don't have a spot for them to play ball. And so how does it start? You call you call the city? We, we did. We, we worked with a broker that we had worked with um, in this particular area of McDonald's, this region, and, you know, made some initial contacts with the city, ran down the city manager. Um, I have learned most city managers are fairly big decision makers. I mean, they have councils they have to work with and other people, but uh, ran the city city manager down, had some meetings, and um, you know, he actually expressed. Apparently, you know, we weren't the McDonald's wasn't the first group that had come in and inquired because it was a great corner at the main and main uh, intersection, and you know, worked through it, and you know, had to make some commitments to you know, in terms of you know, some fencing and, you know, extra grading to kind of relocate the, the, uh, the, the, the park or the, the, uh, the field. But uh, yeah, it, it just started out and, you know, didn't really 
through that whole process rarely. And I yeah, obviously it would have been a different story, I believe, and possibly even a different ending uh, had we not been able to, re it was a big six or eight acre track and we just wanted the, the front piece and they had pulled a park up next to the kind of the main intersection. So we were able to push the, the, the ball field back on the back part of the parcel. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of people might not even ask, you know, you never know. And that's a great lesson in this business. You know, you got to ask, you just never know. You have to ask. And uh, do you think to, in today's day and age, and you work for one big corporate, uh, you know, corporate place and, you know, public company, what do you think the reaction is today to sites that are challenged like that, where there's someone at the top going, I love this real estate. We got to figure this out. Or are they going, ah, we're not going to move the municipality and move a ballpark. And, you know, we got to figure out where to replace the ballpark. How are you, how do you see the landscape in corporate America today as it relates to that? Cause it's a story I think I hear about, you know, back in the, back in the day, but it, and you know, we're a developer. We do some, we, we, we do a, a lot of, you know, uh, freestanding triple net lease development and for a variety of tenants. And, you know, one of our specialties is assemblages and we are pretty good at the messy and we, we did a Walgreens and our head of development, Al Calgary did a Walgreens where we combined 14 parcels and had a, you know, relocate residential tenants and did all that. And that was in recent time. That was a few years ago, but you don't see that all too much anymore. I feel like you, you know, obviously if there's a vacant piece of land and people want to build on it, that's one thing, but um, you don't see that nearly as much as I think like once upon a time, what, what's your take on the corporate landscape and how corporate America views that today? I, I, I think that, you know, the environment with city and county and I guess more of those folks becoming combative and I hate to use that word or, you know, anti-growth and, you know, they don't like the QSRs. I think it's forced all of the retail change to rethink, you know, their architecture, their, their look, uh, you know, the way the, the, I call it the new urbanism, pulling the buildings up, you know, closer to the street and putting the parking behind is, is as tough as that is in some businesses to do it that way. Um, I, I think it's made companies more flexible. I, I, um, I, that's my sense. You know, I think, you know, you see buildings that, you know, are you know, supposed to be a Chick-fil-A and they, you know, you can basically make out the brand, but, um, you know, and I know for us at, at VOC, we do some really attractive buildings, you know, brick and, seen, yeah. you know, uh, standing seam metal roofs and, you know, gooseneck light fixtures and, you know, really, you know, really nice, uh, even decorative uh, roll up garage doors. I mean, you know, you, you kind of, you got to make that extra effort. And I think all retailers are kind of having to deal with that, you know, if they're going to get projects approved um, today. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned VIOC and even if it's something, uh, less exciting than a ballpark. Do you have a story of a deal where with a VIOC? We did a store in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is one of the higher end northern. I know it. Yeah. And, and it was actually our first ground up in Atlanta. And um, boy, we had to really, it, it was an old QT site, QT, the, the C store chain. It actually uh, it was great, great corner at a light. 
Uh, they had just relocated back down closer to Georgia 400, one of the main uh, arteries there in Atlanta for a bigger site. They were doing so much business, they wanted a bigger site. And um, we really had to, you know, we had to save trees. We, um, boy, we just really had to, you know, all brick. And um, we actually had a very good developer that helped us on that project. I think, you know, without his help, I don't think we'd have got it across the finish line, but certainly Alpharetta was a tough, it was a tough cookie uh, for sure. Uh, I know the market, great market. And was was that a ground lease you did or a build to suit lease? It, it was a ground lease. We don't do build to suits. We haven't gotten to that point yet. We've talked about it as a company, but uh, it was a ground lease. Yes, 15, 15 year ground lease. So, so you were doing a ground lease, you were working with a developer and you or the broker and probably you, you identified that you wanted to be in that former QT. And, and, and so the developer had to go and buy it from the owner. Was the owner QT or was it somebody else? It was QT. Uh, and uh, they actually were fairly financially um, stable and they actually had already bought the site. They got out in front and when it uh, sold, they had some local uh, ties to Q, uh, or local real estate rep develop um, manager ties and it actually already bought the site they were that that confident of it that you know some somebody would would be interested in that location so oh that's so they went and bought the other site where they were going to move before they even disposed of the the existing site no they they bought the as soon as the the store that that qt relocated from they bought it as soon as it you know before they even had any tenants you know or even anything nailed down they bought that site you know pronto right when it went, went on the market when qt put it on the market oh so the developer bought it you mean right correct without any tenants just knew he would have somebody correct and so how did you get wind of the site that's interesting because you don't see that a lot you don't see developers just buying vacant properties on spec and hoping they have a tenant interested in this trade area and wrote it and we saw the vacant qt you know it was a far um we, you know uh, we used to you know, McDonald's called it through the light on the right. You know, it was a <laughs> corner and um, just, we knew from riding the markets, you know, being there and being familiar with it, we wanted to be in that market. So, so given the developer did that, I would imagine there was some competition for this site. It, it was part of the issue was trying to get a couple of tenants on the site. And so we kind of had to work through that, but uh, they, we're trying to develop a relationship with Valvoline. So once we expressed interest, they kind of hung with us and uh, we ended, actually we ended up doing several deals with this group. So it, it ended up being a good relationship. Uh, and okay. So when you say a couple of tenants, so you had one QT, but then they were going to build multiple pads on this site. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And and you, you, you were one of them. And then once you, you strike a deal with the developer now, you have the challenge of getting municipal approvals. Correct. That typically requires an entire, you can't, if they're going to redevelop the whole site, typically you can't just go in there with, well, I got Valvoline here and then I'm going to do something over here. You have to have like the whole site plan buttoned up. Right. And to the, you know, they were thinking QSR. And so early on they had laid in, you know, QSR as the next door neighbor and um, kind of went, went, down that road on the early talks with the city and actually didn't get a lot of pushback. You know, we, um, we just had to jump through the hoops. It was just a difficult, um, 
So nobody slammed the door in our face. So we just had to, you know, check all the checks off the, the box. Check and 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 where the city was particular was in the aesthetics of the building. Yes, yes. Uh, heavy, heavy. I, I can't remember exactly the number, but what this person would normally do on landscaping, it was three times, you know, normal pad development, you know, with landscaping and buffers and, you know, mature certain caliber trees. It was extremely expensive. And has it, has it raised, raised issue internally? And you guys said, you know, we keep dealing with this issue with every municipality. We need to change the look and feel of what the exterior of our building and land has, has that occurred? We, we do. We, we have a family of buildings, you know, I, and I, we generally start um, with our basic EFAS building. That's kind of our, our basic building. It's still an attractive building, but it's the EFAS finish. And, um, and then we have a series, we have a Southwest look building that kind of ties into Phoenix and the Southwest out that, that way. Um, you know, and then we have a full brick building, you know, 100% all brick. It's a very attractive building. Obviously it costs a little bit more to build, but, um, you know, we, we can certainly actually today up in Northern Virginia, um, it looks like, you know, the city wants us or municipality wants us to do a brick building. So we, we certainly can, can do that and, and are willing to do that. And you, you have these bays and the bays, do you go underground or the guys going underground, right? Cause when I've gone to Valvoline, they're underground and they come into my oil that way. They, they do. It's part of our service model that we have, you know, really um, sharpened over the last 30 or 40 years. We, we do a 10 foot pit under the, the building and, uh, you know, that's where our, our uh, we don't have any underground tanks or just in the tent, uh, we call it the basement under the, the building. And um, yes, it's part of our, our service process. The folks go under the car and, and uh, remove the oil. It goes into the recycle bins and, you know, they, they come and get it every couple of days and it goes, you know, it's recycled, all that, that uh, 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 used motor oil is recycled, but yes, we, we, uh, we, so our soil tests are very important. You know, <laughs> we, we're, we're digging a 10 foot hole, uh, and then building a building on top of that. So it's very, the, the soil reports are very, very important to us. That's fascinating. Anything else that happened in Alpharetta that, uh, you think is interesting? It's very interesting. I mean, the whole development piece that you wanted to be in Alpharetta, the developer bought, the QT site without tenants. And then you, you ended up being one of the tenants because it was a market that you had identified and you had to go through the hoops with the, the municipality. I think, you know, that's one of the, the blessings and the curses with commercial real estate is that every municipality is different, which creates opportunities and challenges across the country, right? When the, you know, when legislation federally changes and you know, from a, it doesn't necessarily impact local municipalities in the same way across the country. So, well, and I'll tell you one little tidbit that ultimately, you know, you're um, in coming from McDonald's where there was 14,000 U.S. stores and everything was a second or third or fourth, you know, a surgical insertion. You know, Valvoline had lots of markets, Dallas and Phoenix and Atlanta. They had no stores. So we were actually just, you know, a lot of people, even developers, 
brokers didn't know a whole lot about, you know, Valvoline. I mean, we were more of a Midwest, Indianapolis, uh, many at New York, um, you know, uh, more of a Midwest company until we got this, uh, you know, we, we, we became a freestanding public company uh, going on three years ago. So the Alpharetta ended up actually being a blessing in disguise. Not, it was difficult, but it, for our first store, it was probably one of the best looking stores in the market ultimately. So we were able to um, send other development like planning and zoning people. Cause they always say, I want to go see one. And so to finally have a store in the market open that not only brokers and developers and other planning people could go and actually see, that was nice. You know, that was above the norm in terms of the look and the feel. Um, we actually pay dividends. It, it, it really helped to have that first store to be a really super nice one. You know, a great intersection, great trade area, you know, all the things that you look for. It just helped reinforce, you know, the type of real estate and markets that, you know, the company was looking for. So it, it was tough, and but it ended up really being a kind of a backdoor, um, you know, really helped us in the market, you know, getting going. For sure. So pivot away, those are two great stories. Really, thank you for sharing. Uh, both interesting. The ballpark for McDonald's and then the the old QT in Alpharetta, Georgia, that turned into be a, a corner piece as you entered the Atlanta market. So uh, really uh, a cornerstone piece. What are you seeing out there from land is, are you seeing, it feels like to me right now, every time I go on LinkedIn or something like that, every new concept is a new drive-through concept. And it, it seems like demand for the type of real estate you're looking for is really taking off, at least anecdotally. What are you seeing out there as you're looking for space? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I would love to say, and I, 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 no one ever would wish the pandemic on anybody, any company, any, anybody, anything. Uh, we thought back in March, April, you know, we might see some opportunities to take advantage and our, our leadership told us to not back off, you know, even in the depths of the pandemic, we were deemed essential, our, our company was, our business, so we were able to stay open through it, and um, although our sales were down with people not out as much, but um, we, um, you know, it's like I've told people forever, the people that own the best real estate generally know they have the best real estate, and either or most of them have deep pockets and are able to hang on to it and they're going to get through whether it's a pandemic or you know a downturn in the economy whatever it is that was a long answer to say I, yeah i mean it's as competitive as ever uh in in our the sites that we're looking for you know the the qsrs are back you know the ones that would drive throughs um you know the c stores are back um you know, some new concepts. So, and then our, our competitors, you know, Take Five and Express uh, in certain markets, uh, Jiffy Lube, you know, are back expanding a little bit, you know, probably not to the level that we are, but uh, so, yeah, I, I the, all the sites are tough now. You know, it's it's a lot of folks looking. That that would be my, my perception today. Are, yeah. And have you guys, have you done, like a freestanding building, you know, in a grocery anchored center and 
you know, where the landlord went and got consents from people where maybe your use wasn't allowed and things like that. Have you done those things? We, we have actually, actually uh, we opened a store about maybe three or four weeks ago in Cumming, Georgia, uh, one of the kind of close to the Milford area, uh, another really nice area. And it's a pad to a Kroger. Um, and we had to go to Kroger and some of the other uses to get, get uh, some approvals. And, um, you know, Kroger and the grocery stores have not been as difficult. We run into an issue with the Targets, uh, the Coles, some of those type users are a little bit more difficult. And for some reason, just, you know, really won't give our use the time of day because it's automotive or oil change. They, you know, unfortunately won't read, you know, a little deeper and really try to understand what we're doing. But um, yeah, we generally generally don't have a lot of trouble with the, the grocery uh, folks, but as you get into Target, less so with Walmart. Uh, sometimes, you know, Walmart offers oil changes as part of their automotive um, service center that they have in some of the stores. Sometimes that'll be a problem uh, if they have an oil change facility. But um, yeah, we do. We do, you know, run into the uh, the old automotive uh, use sure. restriction. And uh, it, it's tough sometimes. Going back a second, you mentioned the uh, the pandemic and sales were down. Uh, have they returned? You know, my expectation would be that it might have been tough in a work from home environment. People aren't traveling as much. They might not need oil changes. Is that fair? We, we, they were down by, and I'm just around numbers, 50% at the worst of the pandemic, but they have come back and uh, we are close to back to 100%. Thank goodness. We are, uh, people really are still, um, you know, with their automobiles, they're, you know, people really, particularly when times are tough, they, they want to take care of their automobile. And uh, that's what we have found. People are still getting oil changes, but yeah, we we were down for sure, no doubt about it. You know, particularly in the the peak of the lockdowns, you know, just people were not out. But uh, we 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 uh, we did a lot of service vehicles, police departments, fire, you know, um, those type first first responder type vehicles. We really tried to to work with those folks um, during the pandemic and. Um, yeah, we, we, we got through that. We actually uh, posted our, our 14th consecutive year of uh, comp store sales increases. It's wow. it's one of the, it, we're the top, people don't really think, because just, you know, they think about the Walmarts and Targets and Ultas, but um, until the pandemic last year, let's just go back and say 20, 2019, uh, we were the top two or three Valvoline and comp store sales increases over a 10 year period. We were right up there with Ulta and some of the major retailers. Um, and, and luckily our sales came back enough. We just posted our 14th consecutive year of comp store sales. Wow. What, what were you comping up? I didn't even check. Shame on me. What were you comping up over the uh, three or four, you know, but it has been double digit. It, it's still positive. Uh, it's not where we want it to be. You know, we've had literally double digit sales increases over the last, uh, I want to say the last eight years were double digit. And then um, we, we got into the pandemic and you know, we're around four or five, I think now, but uh, certainly a positive comp store sale, you know, it uh, is, a, is a great trend. How did the North American business do during the pandemic in the beginning? Uh, it's it's good. They have restructured uh, a lot of that business, and um, 
I, I'm not an expert in all of that and how they market it and price it and the bulk pricing and, but they have really kind of restructured how they operate and taken some cost out. And yeah, it's done, done, done well. It's done, done. Okay. Um, it, it's hung in there for sure. Great. Well, that's good stuff. Well, listen, this is, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. Um, I now I'm going to take you to the, uh, the last part of our segment here. Are you ready? We call it retail wisdom. Yeah. 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 First question. What is your best piece of commercial real estate advice? Um, own, own commercial real estate. If you can, I think long-term it's always going to be in the, in the right location. It's going to be a great, great investment. All right. Thank you. Sage advice. Number two, fan favorite. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Wow. Um, I, I, I guess it's technical. Uh, this is tough. Um, I, I Sears is not dead completely. I don't guess, but um, you know, I always, as a kid enjoyed shopping at Sears and they've just, had a tough time, had a really tough time. Yeah, they have. All right. Last question. You're from South Carolina. I'm on Fanatics website and I am looking at a Trevor Lawrence jersey. What does that retail for on Fanatics website? Oh, wow. I'm going to take a guess. $160. I don't know. Well, it's regularly $99.99, but with their offer code, you can get it for $79.99. But thank you for playing, Dave. There you go. Well, there you go. I, I learned something. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, don't buy many jerseys. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a guess. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, this was great, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I, again, thanks a zillion for the invite. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Take thank care. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.